Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show this week. And yes, another week is almost in the books. Today is June 12th, 2020. And that means we are now just a couple of weeks away from the opening round of the 2020 Formula One World Championship. And it can't uh, come soon enough because there is so much dark and depressing and bad news out there. It would just be nice to to have something a little bit more positive uh, to talk and see each and uh, every day. But anyways, as always, I hope wherever you are, you're staying safe, you're staying healthy, and I hope that uh, everything is well. Anyways, uh, let's get into the Formula One uh, news. We got a lot to go over this week. And, and, you know, it is kind of funny that uh, even though we've been through this uh, very bizarre uh, you know, period of time over the past uh, couple of months, um, especially with uh, with COVID, is... Uh, at least after the initial kind of um, downward spiral as everything started to get out of hand and, you know, there there were stay-at-home orders uh, issued and people were getting locked down and things were getting cancelled. That obviously took up a, a lot of news. But over the past uh, couple uh, to several weeks, the news has really picked up. And, you know, even even though I think I said uh, last week that this has been like an off-season like no other for obvious reasons, there's always been a lot of uh, news out there. There there hasn't really been uh, too many weeks out there that I've struggled to find things to, to talk about. So at least in one, you know, in, in that regard, uh, that it is... Uh, it it's at least a positive, I suppose, even though the, the news itself may not have been all that positive uh, from time to time. But certainly I was wondering at, uh, at, at some points over the past uh, couple of months that, uh, well, w- would I be able to keep this thing going in, in def- indefinitely? And the answer is obviously no, uh, especially when the, the show typically focuses on the most uh, up-to-date and, uh, you know, the freshest news out there, let's uh, put it that way. I mean, there, there is a lot of uh, Formula One that we can talk about. I mean, there's decade, decades of history to, to talk about and technology and cars and drivers and designers and engineers and all sorts of um, endless storylines. But uh, it, it really has been challenging at times to talk about things other than uh, racing, which uh, you know we, we thought it would have been going on a long time ago. But obviously, reality has been uh, very different. But but anyways, yep, yeah, second to the 5th of July, Austrian Grand Prix gets underway. So only 21 days, three weeks exactly, until we start the, the Formula One season. That's when FP1 gets uh, underway. Anyways, uh, before we get into all the news, the latest the season. Total Wolf says uh, he believes that Lewis Hamilton right, was right to take a stand against uh, racism. And absolutely, we all need to, to st- stand up and, uh, and make our voices known and try and make a real difference. Anyways, uh, Toto had to say, quote, I was lucky enough that I was raised in a household with different nationalities that I lived with a Jewish family for a long time when my family faced tough times. And I saw what discrimination looked like as, as an early child already. I think all of us have had a power to make a change, and sometimes it needs events like the ones that happened a few days ago in the U.S. to trigger a massive wave of support for any minority. 
I think it's good that Lewis as a sports superstar is the one to be up front with it in a sport that is very much dominated by white males. We as a team encourage diversity. We choose our people purely on performance and don't look on any culture, religion, or skin color. I think that all of us can make a difference. Every single one of us should be part of a movement to stop these kind of things happening. End quote. Absolutely. I think Toto's uh, 100% spot on there. And I think, uh, obviously, it is up to each and every one of us to, to be and make a, a big uh, difference uh, in, in the world. So good for Lewis uh, for standing up. And uh, let's hope that uh, that what he has to do is uh, part of a, a larger initiative and a larger movement uh, everywhere for uh, everybody to make a more welcoming, inclusive society. Anyways, um, Ross Braun believes that uh, or said that, uh, that Formula One has a plan to address the lack of uh, diversity in the sport. And uh, he says... Uh, this is going to be starting right down at the grassroots uh, level. So anyways, of course, uh, there there have been worldwide protests uh, against the, the the injustice following the, the the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis a couple of uh, weeks ago. And, uh, well, Ross has uh, talked uh, about this as well. And he had to say that uh, Hamilton's uh, comments about the lack of uh, diversity in uh, Formula One were, quote, very valid, end quote. And uh, he said it's something that the sport is working to uh, resolve and figure out. Anyways, uh, Ross had uh, to, to say the following on Sky Sports F1, quote, I think we as F1 have recognized for a few years now that we want to strengthen our diversity and our diversity program both internally as a company and externally where we started to work on this a few years ago. Our thoughts were that the reason why we don't have more diversity in Formula One starts at the very beginning. It starts at the grassroots level and even starts in the school with STEM topics, science, technology, engineering, and maths. We've been involved in Formula One in schools. We've become far more involved in the last year or two, and that has had a really strong diversity in terms of kids getting involved in it. 40% of the kids that get involved in Formula One in schools are girls, so that's a good start, end quote. So, well, yeah, I mean, of course, uh, it's got to be a, a grassroots level they got to do something uh, everywhere and uh, that, that certainly is a, a very interesting number that the um, 40 percent of the kids that actually get uh, in, involved in the formula one school uh, program are, are female but of course still heavily dominated um, by male students but anyways it is a start and i think that really is that uh, perception that um, that formula one and even many kinds of uh of, uh, of motorsport, uh, unfortunately, just uh, really have that uh, perception of uh, being very elitist, uh, you know, uh, very inaccessible. And uh, I think that uh, compared to a lot of other sports where, you know, you can go and get a baseball bat or a basketball uh, or, or a pair of soccer cleats or whatever it might be and uh, go and partake and, and, and participate. I mean, motor racing just being that much more. I mean, it is almost prohibitively expensive to get involved in. And I think that just adds uh, another layer to it. So anyways, another one uh, to follow and see where they, they, they go from there. Uh, but uh, Ross uh, believes that uh, that uh, they've been working hard or they, they are making some initial steps into addressing the lack of diversity in the sport. And uh, certainly that may be a, an initiative that is uh, does not bear fruit for many years uh, to come. Hopefully sooner. Anyways, so well, getting back to the track, uh, we, we've seen that uh, teams have been getting back to work over the past uh, week or two as uh, the, the lockdown orders are lifted and uh, the, the season is uh, just around the corner and teams are uh, preparing. Anyways, uh, we, we got a look inside the new reality of uh, Formula One earlier this week when uh, Mercedes fired up the, their car for the first time in a couple of months. And, uh, well, it's very interesting. I mean, the, the theme in the picture very much is uh, social distancing and uh, non-medical face 
face masks and, and all that. So I guess it's a, just a reflection of a society in the world at whole. I mean, the, the whole two meters or six feet apart and the, and the whole face masks just to, you know, stop from potentially spreading any germs to other people. But it is it is weird. And I have to admit that even though that uh, when I go out um, to, to do groceries or whatever, I do wear a non-medical mask uh, in certain situations. If it's going to be too busy, I mean, uh, I went down to the recycling center last week, wide open, not too many people. Didn't figure it was uh, really necessary in that case. But, you know, certainly going to the grocery store, even though they limit the number of people, still tend to, to wear a mask in those uh, situations. I don't know. E- even if it's for a, a, a peace of mind, they do say it is better to protect other people rather than for your own benefit. But still, I find it a little off-putting uh, to, to see that. I I'll always remember as a kid watching, uh, you know, these documentaries or reading about like the First World War. And you see like these pictures of these you know, old black and white, uh, really grainy pictures of soldiers wearing gas masks and things like that. And it always just really creeped me out. And I, I always sort of go back to that to a certain extent whenever I see lots of people uh, going around. It just, uh, for me, it's something uh, very uh, off-putting. So anyways, it was very strange to see, especially some of these um, uh, pictures that uh, we saw at uh, Mercedes Brackley headquarters, uh, you know, the, the team observing all the, the social distancing and with the, the, the masks on and everything. But I mean, it's the way that things need to be done and uh, like it or not, uh, this is just the way that everything will, will have to be for the, uh, you know, the, the, the time being. I mean, it's uh, just a reality until, uh, you know, an effective treatment or vaccine is found, but still very, very uh, strange. And this, this was all uh, to do, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, as uh, teams are getting uh, ready to do some uh, practicing, um, they're able to do some preseason tests with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the older cars, not with the, uh, you know, the current cars. I mean, um, the Mercedes were firing up the, uh, the W09 and uh, that was a car that they, they raced uh, two years ago in uh, 2018. So anyways, uh, very interesting. And uh, like I say, it, it's, it's strange, but it is a reality at, uh, at the moment. So another thing that, uh, that might be uh, kind of going by the wayside for the time being is a very busy and packed uh, grid buildups uh, that we see uh, before uh, races. I mean, it never really ceases to amaze me how many people are on the starting grid before the start of a, a Formula One uh, race. So anyways, the, the FAA has, a, had a, has advised Motor Racing Series uh, that they should uh, or they could consider abandoning the, the traditional uh, grid buildup uh, to races if they feel that, uh, I love that, if they feel social distancing cannot be uh, respected. I mean, when you see the amount of people that, uh, that that are out there on a grid. I mean, uh, there literally is a small army around uh, each and every car, and that's uh, one thing that uh, that that never ceases to uh, amaze me. It's just uh, when when you watch the start of a Formula One race, as uh, the the lights um, well before the lights go out, and uh, as the cars uh, head off uh, past uh, the start finish for the formation lap, just the amount of people sprinting back across the track to get back into the uh, the, the pit lane, back into the garages, up onto the pit wall. I mean, it it really just looks like this tidal wave of people and equipment uh, just pouring back across the track because, you know, they only have a minute or two before the the, the cars come back around to start the race. I mean, it really is a spectacle uh, to, to, to see. But yeah, I mean, uh, in that, uh, you know, that, that situation, when you have that many people and uh, in such uh, close uh, confines, I know they all, they, they keep saying, you know, health uh, experts and, uh, and doctors saying that, uh, that in the outdoor settings, that the, the, the risk of transmitting COVID uh, is a lot, uh, 
a lot less likely in the in an outdoor environment. But still, I mean, they're they're always saying that uh, the the magic number is six feet, and you have all that uh, you know all these people around the car, and then you know, p- perhaps the risk is there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they keep saying uh, sort of uh, somewhat contradictory things. It seems to change every week and month. But of course, uh, it's something that they're they're still learning about. But interesting, I think that the FIA has uh, kind of it's kind of a non-statement uh, in, in in certain regards saying that they could consider abandoning the traditional race or grid buildup rather than saying that they should. It's kind of like they brought it to the attention of uh, some of the different uh, racing series that uh, fall under the FIA umbrella, but haven't gone as far to actually uh, say it. Anyways, uh, a document that was uh, released uh, by the FIA had to say, quote, it could be considered to remove the grid procedure from the event schedule and start the formation lap from the garages. It is, un- end quote. Anyways, yeah, I mean, that, that that is something that actually makes a lot of sense, uh, especially in this uh, current uh, environment that, that we're living in with, um, you know, the, the risk of transmitting COVID-19 uh, uh, between uh, people. That's uh, why not in this situation? Why not start the uh, the, the formation lap uh, from the from the garage? I mean, the cars can always sort themselves out as they go around the, the, the track. I mean, we see it all the time with the safety cars. Uh, you know, whenever they get deployed in a Formula One race, where the the, the slower cars are allowed to uh, unlap themselves, they get back to the uh, the, the pre safety car race order and all that. So I think that uh, certainly is a, a certain uh, you know uh, option that they uh, should uh, consider because uh, the FIA guidelines note quote subtle mitigations could be to limit the time of grid procedure in less than fifteen minutes and the number of personnel allowed to work on the car on the grid, thereby significantly reducing the number of close contacts. End quote. And I think uh, that one uh, more or less uh, speaks uh, to itself. But anyways, uh, last week we, we were talking about um, some of the different ideas that uh, that they've uh, put out. Out there to um, change things up uh, because obviously we're we're not going to get the, the the full twenty two races in this year. I mean they're still saying that they want uh, a finalized schedule of uh, fifteen to eighteen races. And of course, uh, we're, we're going to see in the opening eight rounds, uh, we're going to see back-to-back races in um, Austria and then uh, in, in in Britain at uh, at, uh, at Silverstone. And the, the one thing that uh, the the one keyword or phrase that was uh, thrown out there that they don't want things to be too gimmicky. I mean, that was part of the reason why they they, they threw out the reverse grid thing and and and, and certain other ideas. But uh, this is one that I like, and um, they're going to mix up uh, tire compounds for the the two races at uh, Silverstone. First one will be the the British Grand. Prix on 2nd August and then uh, a week later on the 9th of August is going to be the 70th anniversary Grand Prix of uh, Formula 1 so they are going to uh, to to mix it up, and I think it is a, a good idea. There's a, a graphic out there if you go and uh, search up uh, Pirelli Autosports or Motorsports. I think it is on uh, on Twitter or other uh, social media platforms. They do have a, a graphic uh, out there, uh, but uh, it is kind of cool. I mean, if you look at the uh, you know, so we've got the the, the hards, uh, medium, and softs. So uh, the opening round uh, that we're going to have in uh, Austria in just a couple of weeks. So hard C2s, medium C3s, and the red C4s, or sort of the soft C4s. And uh, so that uh, is going to be the same for uh, both of those uh, races there. And it's going to be the same again for Hungary the week uh, thereafter. And then uh, when you look at uh, the, the British Grand Prix at the the beginning of August, uh, C1, C2, and C3 going from hard to, to soft. And then the week uh, thereafter for the 70th anniversary uh, Grand Prix, it's going to be the, the hard C2s, medium C3s, and the soft uh, C4s. So I think that's a, an idea. It's, I mean, you can mix things up and make it a little bit uh, different without uh, getting uh, too extreme. I like 
like I said uh, last week or the week before, I mean, I'm all in uh, in, in favor of uh, coming up with uh, new and different uh, ideas as long as they're not uh, too drastic and crazy. And I think that's why that sort of knockoff uh, qualifying that they had uh, a couple of years ago just uh, really uh, didn't work. Uh, but certainly mixing up uh, the, the tire compounds is a good idea to uh, to in, you know introduce uh, something different without uh, getting uh, too drastic uh, in the in the measures that they're they're doing. Anyway, so time for a quick break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And sticking with the theme of uh, mixing things up but not getting too gimmicky, uh, Ross Braun, the uh, managing uh, motorsport uh, director, or motorsport uh, director. I always get uh, Ross's uh, title mixed up. It's just uh, way too long. He's the managing director of motorsports. There you go. Right. Anyways, uh, Ross has said that uh, Bahrain could run a second uh, race on an almost oval track, which would uh, be uh, kind of cool. So they're, they're looking at the option of uh, running races in uh, Bahrain on November 29th and uh, December six followed by the traditional uh, finale uh, race in Abu Dhabi at Yas Marina on uh, December 13th which uh, would push back uh, the end of uh, you know the, the the end of the year by about uh, two weeks or so I mean it's uh, usually Abu Dhabi uh, that Grand Prix usually takes place on the last weekend uh, in November anyways uh, Ross has hinted that uh, one of the things that they're looking at is uh, using what they call the uh, the outer circuit uh, at uh, at uh, Bahrain uh, which is a uh, it's uh, it's made up of uh, many very many fast uh, corners and it uh, leaves uh, the regular Grand Prix uh, circuit at uh, turn four and then uh, comes back in at uh, turn 13. So uh, Braun uh, told the official F1 uh, website f1.com quote one of the nice attractions of Bahrain is it has many configurations so we could go to Bahrain and race on two different tracks there. There's a nice sort of almost oval track that would be quite exciting and all the layouts have a grade one license with the FIA so that is an option in the pocket. Uh, Using two configurations involved quite a lot of work for the riggers. For example, the timing needs uh, setting up for two tracks, so you need plenty of notice. That's something that we have to take into account. End quote. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. I mean, if they want to look into different options uh, to, to make it a little bit uh, more exciting, if they have to double up on some of these tracks uh, to get the, to this um, desired number of 15 to 18 Grand Prix this year, then by all means, uh, I, I think, uh, like we were talking about before the break, uh, mixing up tire compounds, uh, running races in reverse, or using different uh, configurations of the the, the, the tracks that, uh, you know, the, should that uh, be an option. I think those are all uh, great ideas. And and I, I think... <laughs> 
I mean, Austria, I love the, 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 the Red Bull ring. It's, uh, it's a fairly short, uh, lap. I think it's, uh, about uh, one minute, uh, 12, one minute 11. So not really the longest uh, one out there, but I mean, it's, um, quite varied. I mean, it's, uh, it's got some tw- tight, twisty sections. It's got that long, really cool, uh, run up uh, into turns, uh, two and three. I mean, uh, turn uh, two is a little bit of a flick to the left, uh, before you come up uh, the hill into a sharp, uh, right hander where, uh, you know, we've seen quite a lot of action over the years uh, just ask uh, Nico Rosberg and uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, for one so that one's uh, kind of cool I mean uh, obviously you don't have different uh, configurations uh, there that uh, you could uh, run on uh, different uh, you know leave the track at uh, one or two you know a certain corner and come back uh, further on but uh, you know if you have that option in Bahrain I think that's uh, very very uh, cool to, uh, to do so so well, we'll see how that uh, plays out but I mean as we uh, talked about uh, last week I mean the 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 opening uh, eight races of the year are completely uh, set in stone now we have austria back to back first uh, you know two weeks in uh, july the hungarian grand prix the british grand prix at the end in the of july beginning of august spanish grand prix middle of august uh, and then uh, belgium and italy in their traditional time slots uh, at the uh, more or less at the end of august and uh, beginning of uh, september so certainly by the time we hit the uh, labor day the weekend here in north america looking forward to uh, getting to monza for the uh, the italian uh, grand prix and then uh, we'll see how this uh, all shakes out. Uh, about a week ago, Chase Carey was saying that um, you know they they do want to get the remainder of the the, the season sorted out. So, you know the the, uh, the 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 rest, the Asian and the American uh, portion of the um, the and uh, of the schedule sorted out. Uh, once uh, they they finished the, the European set of tracks in Italy, but he said that there was no real rush uh, to to do so at the time, and there was no time frame. But they were looking at uh, maybe a, a period of a couple of weeks uh, before that would be really uh, uh, more uh, concrete and clear as to how the second half of uh, the season will will go for another eight to ten uh, races after the the opening um, European season, mini season. Anyways, uh, moving on. So reserve drivers are. are back in the conversation as uh, the season is set to get going here in a couple of weeks and that's more to do with the the, the fact that um, this covid nightmare that we're living in has uh <laughs> Let's just face it. If if um, even though that uh, Formula One has this uh, you know this plan in place to, to have a bubble around uh, you know the teams in the paddock and the drivers and all the support personnel and mechanics, that um, well the thing is if you come into contact uh, with somebody who's uh, tested positive for COVID, you might have to self isolate as well. So it's it's very possible that. The, the drivers we see take uh, to the track may not be the same ones week in, week out, uh, just depending uh, on, on what happens. And heaven forbid if one of them actually uh, falls ill themselves. Anyways, um, uh, Chase Carey, the uh, CEO of Formula One, is a quote, if a driver had an affection, reserve drivers are available, just as if a driver has food poisoning or something that was unexpected, end quote. So... <clears throat> There you go. I, I think that uh, obviously having uh, reserve drivers uh, is a good idea. I mean, remember the time when they used to have the uh, backup of uh, the T cars, the uh, you know the spare cars. That was kind of cool as well. But uh, in this day and age of uh, keeping costs under control, uh, obviously that's uh, somewhere they don't want to go. But uh, reserve drivers a uh, great idea. And of course, why would you not have the uh, the, the drivers uh, available in such an extreme situation that we find ourselves in with uh, with you know living in a in a COVID nineteen world at the moment? And uh, he's absolutely 
absolutely uh, correct. I mean, uh, we've seen it happen before where somebody has uh, fallen ill or not been able to drive or in in the case of uh, Fernando Alonso at the uh, Australian Grand Prix a couple of years ago uh, after that huge scary crash that uh, that he had with uh, Esteban Gutierrez uh, just uh, about a third of the way around uh, the opening lap. He was not able to, to go the, the the following week in, uh, in Bahrain and uh, they so they had uh, Stoffel Van Dorn uh, come up and, and Stoffel did great. I mean, uh, he scored a single point in his uh, Formula One debut. And, uh, well, I mean, unfortunately for Stoffel, that was about as good as he, uh, <laughs> that it got for him during his time with McLaren, because clearly a question of, uh, or a, a case of being in the wrong place at the, uh, at the wrong time. But, you know, I mean, reserve drivers are there for uh, a reason. And if, um, you know, unless, uh, the, the car is mechanically not able to, to get onto the track, uh, you know, the, you, you have these reserve drivers, uh, for a reason. So anyways, uh, there are, uh, some, you know, a couple other names that kind of, uh, you know, pop into mind of, uh, guys. That uh, that could be available uh, should the situation uh, demand it. I mean, just think of names like Fernando Alonso, Nikon Hulkenberg, Sergey Sorokin. I mean, there's guys that have all uh, re- uh, recently been in Formula One and don't have a, a full time drive uh, right now. But uh, who knows? So we'll wait and see what what happens. Of course, the ideal scenario is that um, that that nobody um, comes uh, you know into into contact with somebody else uh, that has uh, tested for COVID or you know heaven forbid, like I said, uh, they get uh, sick themselves. But that option uh, is available, and uh, you know, I've I've often wanted to see what uh, Fernando would be like back in Formula One in a decent car, but. I don't know if I'd uh, particularly want to see him uh, back as a result of uh, somebody getting sick, but who knows? It, it uh, He might get his wish to come back to Formula One. It just might not be in the circumstances uh, that uh, he he expected. Anyways, next item of news is great news if you're uh, Lewis Hamilton, but bad news if you're everyone who is not Lewis Hamilton. Because uh, Lewis said um, this week, after uh, doing some testing with the uh, W08, the 2018 spec uh, Mercedes, that he felt absolute no rustiness. <laughs> so, I mean, really, is it? Does this guy ever take a day off? I mean, he's like a machine. It's it's, it's just absolutely crazy how good he is. Anyways, um, uh, Lewis uh, was in a, a video that was posted on the uh, the the Mercedes social media channels over the past uh, couple of days. First of all, he was he was just talking about uh, how he, he was uh, just uh, loved getting back into the car, and he he said he had a lot of fun uh, testing. Anyways, he had to say, "quote When you leave the garage for the first time, you get." this buzz it doesn't matter how many years you do it you always feel new and fresh obviously this is an older car but it still felt fantastic we got through a solid program today Valtteri's day was dry my day started wet so quite a greasy silverstone track but obviously I grew up in this kind of weather so I'm used to it I was still able to get a good feel of the car uh, I didn't feel like I've ever left uh, the water, so that's a positive. I think every time you take a big break, I think it's been 103 days or something. You always get, uh, you always wonder whether you can still drive. So it's a good feeling to know. Of course, I still can. I'm ready. I feel fit. I hope you guys are well uh, and excited for what's coming up. End quote. So. You know, I, I mean, Lewis is always uh, fairly upbeat, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it, uh, it, it is interesting that, uh, he, you know, he still feels that, uh, that that he hasn't really, it hasn't been too much of uh, of a negative uh, situation being out of the, uh, the, the the car and not being able to, to drive it in over, you know, three months. But that has to be a bit of an omin- ominous sign if you, like I say, if you're the other 19 guys in Formula One who isn't Lewis Hamilton, that uh, despite the long uh, layoff that uh, that he's feeling fresh, he's feeling fit, which uh, you, you would expect in any circumstance. But um, the, the one real warning there is, um, you know, to, to the other guys in 
F1 is that uh, Lewis doesn't really feel too many negative effects of uh, not being uh, in the car for all those months. But I mean, you have to think that, uh, you know, to, to use a, a hackneyed old quote, uh, you know, driving a Formula One car has to be a lot like riding your bike. I mean, if you do it uh, for as many years and as much as these guys do that uh, after a while, it just uh, becomes a uh, second nature. And when you're a naturally phenomenally ta- uh, talented Formula One driver like uh, Lewis Hamilton, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, you just have uh, so many things uh, going in your favor. So it will be interesting. I mean, some of the other teams are, you know, hoping to t- test uh, some of their older spec cars as well i mean that is uh, allowed at the moment uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to hear some of the feedback uh, from uh, some of these other uh, drivers and some of these other teams i mean a lot of these guys have just uh, talked about how strange it actually will be to get back into the car and how, how weird it'll be uh, to, to go back into formula one and get ready to go in racing so we will uh, wait and see uh, how's that how that goes anyways uh, racing point uh, they're actually going to tw- test their 2020 car at uh, at silverstone uh, for a uh, you know, a promotional fe- uh, event or a filming day uh, and they're going to do that uh, with Lance Stroll in just over a week's time on uh, June 17th and uh, <clears throat> they're, so they're actually going to uh, do that I mean they are allowed uh, two promotional days uh, during the year with uh, a maximum uh, distance of uh, of uh, 100 kilometers and uh, demo tires that are provided uh, by uh, Pirelli so uh, Racing Point already used one of their, their two uh, promotional days uh, earlier this year back in uh, February uh, so that's uh, how they're going to do it. Uh, just, I guess, get a bit of a feel for the car, whatever they can uh, in that limited mileage and uh, whatever performance uh, they can get out of these uh, demo t- tires. But anyways, I mean, uh, like I was saying, uh, a lot of the other teams are opting to uh, test the uh, 2018 spec uh, cars. And uh, if they, they choose uh, to do so, they they can do um, that with uh, unlimited uh, mileage. And uh, so that's uh, what Mercedes uh, did earlier this week at, uh, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday at Silverstone. And uh, Ferrari are going to do the same thing at uh, Fiorano uh, as well with their 2018 uh, spec uh, car as well. So anyway, uh, Otmar Safnauer, Racing Point uh, team principal, had to say, quote, we're definitely, def- we're definitely looking forward to seeing how competitive it is. I think the first few circuits uh, should be okay for us, even Hungary, and Silverstone should be okay too. Then we're back to Barcelona, and over the winter we look pretty decent there. I think that the schedule should bode well for us. So we're very much looking forward to seeing how the car performs and what we can do at each one of those circuits to find the sweet spot and optimize the setup, end quote. So yeah, the RP20 is very much uh, a, a car that uh, I'm looking forward to, to see how it's going to do uh, this year. I mean, uh, th- there is uh, a lot of uh, focus on that. I mean, uh, there, yeah, I mean, this is the car that was dubbed the uh, the, the, the pink Mercedes, uh, just uh, in the fact that it strongly re- resembles the W10, which uh, was the, uh, the the Mercedes car from from last year. And I mean, I, I mean, th- there are differences in the height and the width and things like that, but just a lot of the shape and the aerodynamics on the car are very, very similar to the you know last year's uh, Mercedes car. And I mean, um, the different teams have uh, you know been quite uh, forthright and, and open about uh, saying over the past uh, couple of months that that uh, that a legal challenge on the issue of the the, the whole per, uh, pink Mercedes thing is uh, is not out of the question. So they they could face uh, some sort of challenge uh, for uh, you know for for racing that car. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll wait and see whether or not that actually comes to pass or that's just some blustering by some of the other teams. 
But just in general, uh, to, to see how this car performs once it gets out there after borrowing so heavily, obviously so heavily on you know, the design concepts that uh, Mercedes used uh, last year, how much of a, a performance boost uh, that they get uh, compared to where they were last year. Because, I mean, they were a bottom, middle of the, the, the grid kind of team in in, in 2019. I mean, they, they finished 2018 decently after having a, a dreadful start uh, just basically because of the, the, the funnel of money was uh, turned off there before Lawrence Stroll came in with his group. But yeah, that uh, it, it is an interesting uh, situation and, and one definitely to take a look at and, and see how it unfolds. Anyways, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So sticking with the topic of uh, preseason testing again, or midseason testing, or COVID season testing, whatever you want to call it. So um, McLaren are not actually going to act, be able to test the uh, the old uh, car before the season gets uh, going in a couple of weeks. And uh, they were uh, looking at uh, maybe being able to, to get uh, their 2018 spec out on the track there to help uh, Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz uh, get ready for the delayed start to, to the season. Um, so like I was saying uh, before the break, uh, Mercedes uh, had a two-day test at Silverstone. Ferrari's doing the same thing. Uh, Racing Point is this uh, promotional day coming up. Um, but um, McLaren team principal Andrea Seidel said that uh, they cannot uh, run down an old F1 car uh, just uh, because of the, uh, the the change that they've had uh, with the power unit uh, supplier. So uh, Andrea had to say, quote, on the driver's side, unfortunately, we don't have the possibility of having a car that is two years old and we could operate because of all the power powertrain switches we had here in recent years. But as you have seen already, Lando was doing some karting and F3 testing. We're also looking into the second thing, also now with Carlos having the, the drivers ready, and also we will do some simulator work with them, end quote. So yeah, that that actually is interesting. I thought it was kind of cool that uh, that uh, the, the teams would be able to run some of these older spec uh, cars uh, just to, to help the drivers uh, prepare uh, for, you know, for the upcoming season. But uh, when, it, when it came to the McLaren situation, I never actually uh, had that uh, that thought cross my mind what with uh, you know the switch from uh, Honda to uh, Renault uh, you know a couple of years ago and uh, that that might actually uh, be an issue so uh, that that's an unfortunate uh, for them but uh, I mean obviously it uh well, I mean, it, it is an ideal. I mean, uh, you know, Lando doing some karting, some F3 testing. So, I mean, uh, at least he's getting some uh, on-track mileage uh, out there. Uh, but, I mean, it isn't a Formula One car. I mean, you, you can make the argument that, uh, you know, for, for the older 2018 spec, I mean, that that's light years in, uh, in, in difference between 2020 compared to, uh, you know, just when you compare how quickly the technology and how, how fast these uh, cars change, but still they're Formula One cars. So, it, it is unfortunate uh, for Lando and uh, and. And Carlos, uh, that uh, that they're not going to be able to get those uh, miles in the car and the the, the practice uh, that they need in the the older spec uh, car. But uh, still, I mean, I guess uh, you know if they they can only do the simulator work and maybe karting and F three testing, they, they have to take uh, what what uh, you know what they had. But I mean, the MCL uh, thirty three wasn't really the, the the best car. I mean, it was it was all right. I mean, it uh, had its uh, you know well. Uh, 
it wasn't all right. <laughs> it's right at the end of the Honda era there. So it was uh, not really the, the, the greatest, but still, it uh, might have uh, proved uh, beneficial for both of those guys to, to get some, uh, you know, real uh, Formula One miles in there. Anyways, let's talk now about the Formula One uh, silly season uh, when it comes uh, to driver. The big name that still comes out there and what might happen in 2021, of course, is uh, Sebastian Vettel. It's uh, been a couple of weeks now, several weeks now, since uh, it was made known that uh, he will not be coming back uh, to Ferrari on a new deal for 2020, uh, 2021 and beyond, pardon me. And that his seat will be uh, taken over uh, by uh, Carlos Sainz. And then uh, Danny Ricardo moving over to, um, to to McLaren from Renault next year. So last week uh, we were talking about uh, a story that was out there that uh, Mercedes team boss Total Wolf uh, was saying that uh, that uh, saying that uh, he and the the team were interested in Sebastian Vettel for 2021 was more than just uh, mere lip service and uh, just uh, being uh, polite and saying the, the 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 right things in the media. And of course you'd have to think that there was something uh, to that. I mean uh, Sebastian, I mean he's obviously had his uh, struggles at, uh, at, uh, at 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 Ferrari over the past uh, couple of years. I mean we, we've talked about it plenty on this program and I've been scathing on him at, at times and I kind of hold him in a little bit higher standard uh, than some of the other drivers out there because I mean he is a quadruple world champion uh, after all but I mean the, the car hasn't always been the, the, the greatest uh, sometimes uh, Ferrari's tactics haven't been always uh, the, the greatest and Sebastian he has to take uh, and shoulder his own uh, portion of the blame uh, as, as well because I mean there have definitely been some moments when he's uh, had some uh, things happen out there on the track that uh, I'm sure he would uh, love uh, to, to take back but I mean, having said that, I mean, uh, he's still fairly young. I mean, he's only in his early 30s. He's got four world championships uh, under his belt. And when things are, are going good for him, I mean, he's uh, still a very, very quick and a very good uh, Formula One driver. So I, I would expect at the at the very least that any team that uh, that has an opening uh, for, for next year, Mercedes uh, included, would you would have to think that uh, that Sebastian Vettel's name is going to get thrown out there and uh, d- d- discussed? I mean, that to me just seems like a, a bit of a, a no brainer. Anyways, Valtteri Bottas says that uh, that um, uh, Sebastian Vettel to Mercedes will not actually happen in in twenty twenty one. He says that he's been told by the team that they are not actually considering to bring uh, Vettel in uh, next year. So, uh, anyways, uh, Bottas had to say, uh, "quote No, it doesn't get to you. Uh, we've been uh, very." honest also with uh, my team all the time what's the situation how it's uh, going to be contract wise I got a pretty straight message that no they are not considering Seb so I said fine no worries then end quote so Voltaire I mean uh, very much uh, like uh, his countryman uh, Kimi Raikkonen not really the uh, I mean they're not really long drawn out uh, speakers you know sometimes I ramble on I mean that's why I can get a you know at least 60 minutes out of the show each and every week <laughs> but guys like Voltaire a little bit more clipped a little bit more concise and uh, a little bit uh, you know briefer than a, a lot of us uh, out there. So, I mean, uh, I, I think that uh, it's very interesting that, uh, uh, you know, he was he was just uh, straight to the point. I mean, uh, he, he obviously he said he doesn't feel concerned that uh, that uh, that Sebastian Vettel's name gets uh, brought up as a potential replacement uh, for him at uh, Mercedes in 2021. And that, that has to be a natural uh, discussion. I mean, uh, we, we talked about it uh, before and in, in the past as well. I mean, uh, not necessarily when it comes to, to Sebastian Vettel, but just generally speaking that uh, you you have to do the best thing for your uh, your team each and every year, and you have to look at the the strongest driver lineup uh, that that you can get. So, I mean, obviously, Valtteri has done a pretty good job uh, at uh, Mercedes over the past uh, couple of years since uh, he went there since 2017. I mean. 
obviously they they've been uh, dominant uh, i mean he's uh, less confrontational uh, and and uh, controversial in his uh, relationship uh, with uh, lewis hamilton than his uh, predecessor uh, nico rosberg who had uh, a very unfriendly relationship <laughs> a very tense relationship uh, with uh, lewis hamilton and a history of comings together between the two of them uh, on, on the track and i mean that that is well documented and uh, you know but uh, we don't need to go back into that. that. I mean, that that's been discussed on this program more than enough uh, over the years. But uh, the Valtteri's come in. I mean, he's he's won a handful of races. What what is he up to now? Seven, eight uh, Grand Prix uh, victories now uh, since he came to to Mercedes. A whole lot of podiums. I mean, um, he, he's helped them, uh, you know, win the the, the world championship and the constructors uh, in, in the years that he's he's been there. I mean, that's just a stranglehold that they've had on the constructors uh, since uh, twenty fourteen. I mean, they've just uh, really been uh, that that good. So, anyways, I mean, you can make the argument that uh, you know Bottas gets the job done. He's He's good at what he does. I mean, he's he's not going to get up there and uh, you know get get in the way and and, and cause uh, situations uh, with Lewis ha- or find himself in situations with Lewis Hamilton that uh, that he did with uh, Nico Rosberg, and uh, he's going to go out there and get you a lot of points, a lot of podiums, and things like that. And I think that's uh, really what it uh, what it comes down to is that uh, Lewis is still going to get all the the, the headlines, which is going to keep uh, him happy. Uh, Bottas is going to win the occasional race, and uh, he's going to score a lot of podiums. He's and score a lot of points, which uh, really tilts the, uh, the the scale in the favor of uh, Mercedes when it comes to the constructors. And and again, I mean, until, until proven otherwise, until the situation changes, and they're they're not able to to dominate in Formula One in terms of uh, you know the drivers, the constructors are a world championship. You know, it's like I've said over the past couple of years. Why, why would you bet against them until uh, pr- proven otherwise? But you you could see though why that uh, that discussion would be had that uh, you know maybe uh, Sebastian Vettel would be an upgrade on uh, on Valtteri Bottas or or maybe he he wouldn't I mean uh, clearly I think that the pressure at Ferrari has gotten to him uh, at, at you know at some points uh, over the years but I mean it, it's a multi layered it's a complicated uh, situation and, and as uh, as I said just now I don't think that uh, all the, the the things that have happened there can be uh, purely put on uh, Sebastian's uh, so- shoulders I mean uh, some of them can be but I think uh, a lot of them uh, can be uh, you know spread out. Out in, in a couple different areas. I mean, last year the car just wasn't good enough. I mean, it took them over half a year to figure out where that car was at, and then uh, once they did, I mean, they were dogged by those uh, rumors uh, about irregularities and uh, you know the the, the way that uh, you know the, with the engine. And I mean, that is a story that just won't go away. It just won't die. I mean, it, it pops up quite a you know quite often just when you think you've seen the last of it uh it, it sort of pops up again in the news and and, and it did so even just a, a couple of weeks ago so <laughs> you know but anyways i i do think it is interesting that uh that, that Bottas has just uh, been very forthright and and, and just come right uh, right out and, and just uh you know passed on the information that uh, that his own team has given to him and that uh sebastian vettel is not going to be an option at uh you know and will not be racing for mercedes uh, next year i mean I mean, of course, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, um, the Formula One, things can change. I mean, uh, just a week or two before the whole Sebastian Vettel leaving at the end of the year uh, was a thing we were talking about uh, on the, on this show. And I'm sure many of you were They're just talking about the news that uh, that was out there at the time that uh, that, that Vettel had said that uh, they were actually getting pretty close into. Uh, and actually, I came. I think that came from both sides. I think it came from Vettel's side and also from uh, Bonato that uh, that they were actually pretty close to uh, getting getting a new deal worked out uh, for, for Seb. I, I don't think it ever would have been 
a big, huge, long, multi-year deal like uh, they they gave to um, uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, obviously, he's now the the, the superstar at uh, Ferrari. He's the rock star. I think he really sealed that, uh, made the team his own after that uh, you know that epic victory at uh, at Monza, the Italian Grand Prix, uh, Grand Prix last year. But I thought that maybe a year, maybe two years, but uh, certainly I think it was going to come at a discounted um, uh, salary or offer of a salary for Sebastian Vettel. And, uh, you know, probably that's uh, that, that's what it ter- turned out to be. But anyways, uh, I mean, that's, you know, you, you can see why those, uh, you know, th- those discussions are had. But now the, the, the big question is, if he's not going to go to Mercedes, then what options does uh, he really uh, have left? Is, uh, is Renault an option? It could be, or does it maybe come down to the fact that maybe he retires or maybe he sits out for a year or two and then uh, until a better opportunity opens up and uh, then if he decides that he still wants to race at that time, maybe that's uh, that's what he does. Or or maybe he maybe he walks away at the end of this year, maybe not seeing an option that, uh, that that's really super attractive or, or one that he really wants to take on and maybe thinks, you know, guys, I've been in the sport for over a decade. You know, I got four world championships under my belt. Uh, yeah, okay, didn't work out at uh, Ferrari would have been awesome uh, if it had done but you know I won a bunch of races for them I got uh, Ferrari fans excited again and uh, maybe now's a time you know a good time to walk away from the sport so who knows I mean ultimately this is a decision that uh, obviously Sebastian uh, Vettel will make uh, for himself so who knows what will happen over the course of the the the, the season and uh, the off season in the winter as uh, he decides on his own plans for the future. Anyways, uh, Rubens Barrichello, former Ferrari driver, says that Carlos Sainz will need to cope with what he calls the Ferrari anxiety uh, when he moves there in uh, 2021. I mean, uh, Rubens uh, was at uh, Ferrari for a number of years uh, between uh, 2000 and 2005. And uh, he says that uh, he believes that uh, that, that Sainz is he's prepared to, for the move over to Ferrari, the, the, the big step up. I mean, they're going to have a very young driver line up with the Charles Leclerc and uh, Carlos Sainz. And that's going to be uh, very uh, interesting uh, to, to watch how both of those guys uh, adapt and, and handle. I, th- I think Charles more or less is uh, is uh, settled in. I mean, he had a, a couple of moments that... that that maybe were uh, you know due to his uh, you know the, his uh, level that he's at in his career last year. I mean the the crash they had in qualifying at uh, at Baku last year that that comes into mind. I mean he's only going to get get, uh, get better. I mean he's an incredible racing driver as it is right now. But uh, you know give him a couple more years uh, to to really learn his craft and 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 really uh, you know. If, figure out, you know, figure himself out. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, Charles Leclerc, I think, uh, you know, he obviously still has room to grow and, uh, and get, and get better. But, uh, Carlos too, I, I think that the job that uh, he did last year at McLaren maybe flies a little bit, uh, under the radar a little bit. I think that, uh, Carlos is maybe a little bit of an under underrated driver that, uh, that, that maybe doesn't get uh, too many headlights or sorry, headlines, but, uh, he, he's going to get, uh, you know, that, that scrutiny and that, uh, you know, that focus has shifted to him. I mean, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, racing for Ferrari. I mean, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny and a lot of people following that, and uh, they're going to love him when he when he does well, and uh, they're going to be all over him when uh, when he doesn't. So, I think that uh, it's interesting that um, that uh, uh, Barrichello weighed in on that, and uh, he does have a couple of good points uh, to say. And I'll quote here: He's mentally prepared and he's physically prepared, but he needs to control his anxiety. He's uh, going to be anxious to get going. My suggestion is for him to do the 
stuff that he can to control his mind. Meditation was a key success for me to keep my anxiety low. That's what I would suggest. When you work on the future, it makes you anxious. How you live in the present is by, for me, working with meditation, end quote. So obviously, uh, Rubens found a way to, um, you know, uh, you know um, what I guess, uh, was it mind over matter? That's a phrase I'm uh, thinking of. So I, I think that, uh, that I, I can't imagine what the scrutiny and what the pressure would be like to race at uh, at uh, Ferrari. I mean, uh, it would be obviously a very, very cool thing, but uh, obviously a lot of scrutiny, a lot of pressure, and uh, you got to be very, very well prepared for it. Anyways, time for one final uh, break here on the Overtime Media Network. So don't go away. We still have a bunch of things to talk about before we shut it down. So we'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to Scuderia F1, the podcast always up to speed with Formula One. And just talking now a little bit uh, about the, you know, the, 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 the back end stuff, the, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the off the track stuff in Formula One. So Mercedes, uh, if they downsize in uh, certain other areas of the company, they, they think that they might be able to keep uh, their F1 staff. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things uh, going on in, uh, in Formula One right now. Uh, obviously the, uh, the, the fallout on the financial side from the, uh, the the COVID situation and the lack of uh, you know money coming in from uh, TV revenue and prize revenue and stuff like that, but also the you've got the rate you know the, the this budget cap is uh, coming in next year. I mean the one is going from uh, uh, from one seventy five down to one forty five, and then uh, you know it's going to get down to one hundred thirty by the time it's uh, all over. Anyways, um, Ferrari has already said that they may redeploy some of their staff into other racing programs, and uh, Mercedes, uh, according to Total Wolf, might uh, follow a, a similar idea and um he in and then total was a very uh you know quite clear in saying that it was one of the reasons that uh, that they were looking at to prevent uh what he called a mass exit of us uh, of staff with uh you know in the inside knowledge of their technology uh moving on and, and going elsewhere so anyways um Toto also did say that uh, he felt that the cap insured formula one uh, makes a more financial uh, sense for uh, mercedes he had to say quote first of all we're living in a financial reality that is very different to pre-COVID and we have accepted the lower budget cap and that it must be a successful Formula One franchises earn money rather than lose money. For us, it is also making sure that Daimler not only appreciates uh, the sporting and marketing benefits of the platform, but also make it as cost neutral as possible. And I believe that is why we need to support such a cost cap. For us, it means readjusting. It means changing the way we do things and deploy personnel in new areas. We have a very strong departments that is called Mercedes-Benz Applied Science and where we work for high performance clients and deploy our services. And who knows, maybe we'll look at other race categories in order to keep the resource and keep the human resource and intellectual property with in Mercedes, end quote. So interesting uh, that uh, that they're looking at uh, some of these uh, different ways, and uh, yeah, it uh, you know the the amount of uh, knowledge uh, that some of these people uh, have, and uh, I mean, of course, uh, there are you know non disclosure agreements and things like that, and uh, you know that that's important because I, I think that in a you know in an arena like Formula One, it's going to be a very small world. And that, uh, you know, the, I, I think that uh, to a certain extent, I don't want to say that people are recycled, but I think that you might just uh, see uh, people popping up in different teams over the course of time. And you don't want, uh, you know, somebody going from, uh, you know, from one team to another, regardless if it's a, you know, a good exit from that one team or a bad one. 
that uh, that they're not able to take uh, you know the you know proprietary and uh, you know uh, secret information from one team uh, to another whatever the uh, whatever the circumstances may be so anyways um, Pirelli they're they confident that their 2019 spec tire uh, spec tires can actually last for two more years and uh, Mario Sola who is the, the the boss of the Formula One or sorry the Pirelli Formula One program says that their current tire specification can be used without any problems until the end of uh, next year I mean of course uh, this is uh, because uh, you know the the, uh, the the new formula the new tech or uh, the technical specification regs that uh, we're going to get rolled out in 2021 have now been uh, pushed back at least until 2022 because of the uh, you know the, the the COVID situation I mean it was going to be a tough uh, you know uh, push for all the teams to get ready for 2021 in a normal situation but uh, it just came uh, you know became uh, downright uh, impossible what with uh, everything uh, happening with covid and the the, the fact that uh, a lot of you know all these factories were shut down for weeks and months that uh, it just uh, became of uh, yeah it's, it's just not uh, there there's not enough uh, time uh, to to get it done by now anyways uh, it is interesting uh, to hear that uh, that they're going to use uh, the same a tire spec now for three whole seasons and uh it's really a situation that is unprecedented in in formula one so um it, it is uh, it is interesting that uh, that he feels that uh, that they're going to do that so anyways um so had to say quote we should start 2021 with downforce which is in line with the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020 so we step back one year or close to the idea is this to plan a reduction in downforce in uh, order to make the 2019 last until the end of 2021 without increasing the pressure too much because increasing pressure means that we go towards the issue of overheating and degradation and we know that drivers are not happy with that and that is why we have worked together with the FIA and the teams in order to find a solution at the beginning many different options were on the table but then it was decided the best one was to work around the floor this makes uh, sense considering that we are probably going to lose the amount of downforce that they developed during the season this is a very unique season so it's difficult to understand how much development there will be but together with the floor change we have all also have the restrictions on aerodynamic tests and the fact that the season will be very much concentrated so they can develop the car in sh- a short period of time, end quote. But also, uh, not only are they going to keep the, the the current tire spec uh, for another year or two, um, they're actually going to uh, go back into the development of the uh, 18-inch tire for uh, 2022. So this is something that, uh, like everything else, has uh, been uh, shelved. And uh, the, this is all the, the low-profile tires that we're going to be uh, originally part of the 2021 technical uh, regulation package and uh, was been uh, officially delayed uh, by uh, a year so uh, anyways um, with uh, you know everybody being uh, in lockdown and uh, Pirelli's uh, you know as well was uh, and it was impossible to get in there for several weeks uh, anyway so once they start uh, re- uh, getting going and the factory was getting back uh, back, to, uh, back up to speed the company wants to to use uh, or make the best use of the extra time uh, before the 18-inch tires are raced in 2022. So anyways, uh, just uh, following up on that, uh, Mario Sola had to say, quote, we are doing some development now. Unfortunately, without uh, testing the ideas on the track, and it's always important to validate what you test with simulations or indoor tests. Actually, we don't have a lot of possibilities, even though we are not subject to the FIA shutdown. In Italy, we have had the lockdown, which was quite heavy, so it was impossible for some weeks to carry on. On any activity. We were working from home and we could use laptops to make simulations on the computer, but it was impossible to make any indoor tests because everything was closed. Now we're restarting the activities. We have the possibility to produce some prototypes and do development without tire testing on the track. 
in quotes. So interesting uh, that this is a comeback. And uh, well, I mean, it's going to take some uh, time to, to, to get it right. And uh, so 18 inch wheels, 18 inch tires, that's coming back 2022. So uh, the Aero Handicap, uh, Total Wolf says it's not going to be what he calls a uh, a baseball bat move. Um, so that I'm not exactly sure what, uh, what, what he means by that, but anyways, uh, Toto said, quote, I am a fan of the meritocracy of F1 and the best man and the best machine wins. And this is how it always was. No gimmicky stuff like in some other sports where the show people have added components that have diluted the sport. I hate any kind of balance of performance. It becomes a political game and a political world of championship and has no place in F1. What has been introduced with the new ATR is a possibility that the lower ranked teams to slowly creep back in terms of development scope to where the leading teams are. It's tiny percentages every year, so it's not going to make that big a difference from one year to another, but it's going to balance out the field after a few few years. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, Toto goes on to say, I believe that if you're not good enough to win anymore, then you have equal opportunity. You're second or third, you have more scope again than the world champion. I think this was done as a fine adjustment, not with a baseball bat. The reverse grids would have been a baseball bat, end quote. Yeah, like I said, off the top of the show, not a big fan of the um, uh, of the reverse uh, grid thing, but uh, you know th- th- this idea with the uh, the restrictions on the uh, the arrow handicap and allow these uh, slower teams to, to to slowly creep back in. I think that's uh, that, that that's a good idea that uh, that they've implemented, and uh, so who knows how that uh, that will work. Anyways, uh, just uh, looking ahead again to a little bit to, to the future, uh, the new uh, Aston Martin team, which uh, you know which is actually Racing Point uh, right now, but will uh, be rebranded uh, this year, uh, after the end of this year, uh, to uh, to Aston Martin as uh, they uh, make a, a full-time leap transition into Formula uh, One. Their new planned base at Silverstone will now be operational in uh, t- August 22, so that's uh, been uh, delayed uh, by a year, and uh, so that's a lot later than they, they'd planned for. Anyways, uh, it's the, the again, it's the COVID crisis that is a delayed work on the facility, and uh, it's being built adjacent to where they are there. The current uh, building is uh, right now. So, anyways, Otmar uh, Safnauer had to say, "Quote: The factory is still happening. We will build it as we need to for competitiveness reasons. Uh, for the fact that we are going to be Aston Martin. For the fact that this place has been up since 1990, and we've outgrown it. So the, the only thing is that coronavirus has kind of shifted it sideways from time perspective quite a bit." We weren't able to do much, so we had a decision to make to shift the date when we were going to occupy the new factory, either by three or four months. We've been delayed since early March, or just to delay it by an entire year. August is the right time to move in because it's traditionally the summer break. We are going to move in in August of 2021, and we are going to shift that by year and move in in August 2022, end quote. So uh, interesting that, uh, that that's been delayed. I mean, that seems like a long time. It's uh, two full years from now, but uh, also just uh, sticking on uh, things uh, you know coming in the future. Uh, Ross Braun, Managing Director of uh, Motorsport at Formula One, believes that uh, no new manufacturers are expected to join F1 until at least uh, 2026. So we're looking five, six years down the road uh, at least. And that's uh, when the, the, the rules uh, change uh, for, for, you know, regarding the, uh, well, at least regarding uh, uh, power units. Um, so one of the people that are companies that have uh, rejected a Formula One uh, uh, project is uh, VW and Audi. And uh, there are no other potential uh, new entrants uh, waiting, uh, you know, to, to come into Formula One, and uh, that uh, that probably won't change in the current regulations. 
regulations, which are going to be uh, in place until uh, 2025. Um, so he's hoping that uh, once the, the they reset the, the the power unit specifications, will uh, encourage other suppliers, uh, engine manufacturers, to get into uh, Formula One. I mean, uh, right now we have Ferrari, Mercedes, Renault, and Honda, and uh, Honda they came in obviously much later than the, the other three, and it took uh, you know a long time. You know, just ask uh, uh, you know McLaren how long it took them uh, to get up to, to to speed. No pun intended. Um, and uh, it they they really were a, a very very significant uh, you know way back in development terms of uh, you know the you know Renault, Ferrari, and uh, and Mercedes. I mean they. they Big leaps last year. I mean, they, they, I don't think that's uh, something that really gets uh, talked about enough. Is just the, the the work that they did between 2018 and 2019, just uh, to to keep Red Bull on that uh, that same level that uh, they they were with Renault. I mean, it, it wasn't really all that great, but I mean. They were still good for podiums here and there. They still uh, snuck out a couple of wins, uh, but and and that's what we'd seen when they had, when they had Renault power as well. But uh, they had said right from the very beginning that uh, their their goal for their first win or their first year with uh, with Red Bull was to keep them on a on a similar uh, level uh, of uh, performance and reliability that they were getting with uh, with Renault, even though that wasn't exactly what they uh, desired. And uh, they 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 achieved that. They they got a couple of wins out of that, which of course uh, just uh, was uh, the icing on. On, uh, on the cake. So anyways, uh, I don't think there's anything really too surprising in that revelation uh, by uh, by Ross Braun. I, I, I don't think it really is a, re- a revelation, uh, you know, in any stretch of the uh, the imagination. Uh, but, you know, just considering the, you know, I mean, there's so many things going on. I mean, there's all the the economic turmoil going on uh, right now with uh, with COVID, but also then just the, you know, the the, the PU uh, regs that are, that are in place right now. Uh, you know, just, you know, the, these engines are very, very complex and very difficult to, and very expensive to build you know design build and maintain and run so we'll you know who knows what those are going to look like after 2025 once uh, this uh, you know th- this actually gets uh, you know they 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 decide to to move on or or they, or they don't so that that is a discussion that will be had in the future and it will be, you know, really interesting. I know that's sometimes a word that uh, that I overuse when I discuss uh, situations like that. But if uh, they do decide to change it, whether or not uh, anybody will be uh, convinced uh, that it's a, a good thing, and uh, whether or not they want to come into uh, to Formula One. Anyways, one final topic uh, to discuss here, just uh, before we wrap it up, and uh, Ferrari has partnered with the FIA to find uh, female academy drivers, which uh, I think is uh, something that is long, long overdue. So they are actually going to support the uh, Girls on Track Rising Stars program, which is a program that's uh, being run by the FIA, and it's uh, looking to assist uh, female drivers in the age uh, range of uh, 12 to 15. So anyways, as part of this four-year agreement that uh, Ferrari have with the FIA, uh, through their selection process, uh, they will pick a candidate uh, for entry into their own national Formula Four, cha- sorry, Formula Four championship in 2021, and uh, a second driver will be uh, picked uh, for for the following year. So that uh, means that uh, there's a chance that uh, Ferrari could have two female drivers in its young driver roster within uh, the, the next uh, two years. I think that's uh, pretty cool. And uh, team principal Mattia Bonato had to say, "quote We are firm uh, believers in the value of helping youngsters develop in motorsport. The Ferrari Driver Academy." has been operating for over a decade now, not just purely and simply selecting the best drivers, but also working on their cultural, technical, and ethical 
education. With this in mind, we felt we had to make further effort to expand our area of operation to include female youngsters who want to get in on motorsport. Although there is no actual barrier to their participation, we are aware that it's harder for women to progress in this field, end quote. So that's cool. I, I think that uh, that's something that's uh, long overdue. And I, I mean, you look at some of the, uh, the, the guys that have uh, been uh, through that uh, program and obviously the the one star from the, the Ferrari Driver Academy is uh, Charles Leclerc, who's uh, only won a couple of races for McLaren, sorry, for, for McLaren, for Ferrari, pardon me so far, but uh, Charles just uh, really getting started in his Formula 1 career. He's only got uh, two seasons under his belt, but uh, certainly he is uh, the, the star, the, the jewel in that uh, crown. So a uh, good move uh, on Ferrari. Anyways, that's it. Time to wrap it up. Thank you very much uh, for downloading and listening to the show again uh, this week as uh, as every week. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, by all means, please uh, send it my way. You can do so on Twitter at ScuderiaF1 or you can email me at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's a wrap. Take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you guys again this time next week. Bye for now. Ciao. listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.